And it is called the gifts that keep giving. The gifts that keep giving. You know, it kind of sounds uh, cliche for some. Oh, it's the gift that keeps giving. But I want us to see in the Word of God the gift that continuously is supposed to be given. Because we're going to realize here this morning the gifts that were given to uh, baby Jesus as an infant. But, but the actuality of that is that it is something that we should be contributing, that we should be moving in every single day. So bear with me here for a few moments. Uh, this morning, we, we know that I have a lot of scripture uh, as always, but like we always say, I want you to know that this is God's word. This is not my own. I'm not making these things up. So in Matthew chapter two, verses nine through 11, you know, uh, Brother Rex talked about this morning about the shepherds and, you know, and how the shepherds came. But where we want to go this morning is we want to talk about the wise men. You know, we've all seen the signs, the billboard signs going down the road of anybody that's bold enough to put these things up. And it says, you know, that wise men sought Jesus and wise men are still seeking him today. You know, so we're going to know this afternoon. We're, yeah, we're going to say this afternoon. We're going to know this afternoon if we are being a wise person or if we are being foolish. Amen. Matthew chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. Thank you for having that up there, baby. Uh after this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star that they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary. And they bow down and worship him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him, look, they gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, so many things that we could thank you for. But Lord, this morning we thank you for your word. We, we thank you for the only thing, Lord, that is everlasting. We thank you for the very thing, Lord, that became flesh and dwelled amongst us. Lord, we ask, Lord, that this morning, Lord, that your word will become revelation to us. Lord, that it would open our eyes to see, Lord, these gifts in a new facet, in a new realm, in a new revelation, in a way, Lord, in which that we should be presenting to you, Lord, the very best of these. Lord, open our ears, Lord, that we may hear you today. Lord, that we may hear your hearts cry. Lord, that we may feel you, Lord. Lord, and that you would do everything it is that you desire to do here. Lord, you know each one of our lives. You know where we stand. You, you, you know everything about us and there's nothing hidden. Lord, as we think on that revelation this morning, Lord, that nothing's hidden from you. Lord, let us hear you the way you want us to be, that you want us to hear you, and not the way that we want you to be heard. Bless these few moments, Lord, that we have here this morning. Lord, it's so that we may be changed into your likeness and into your image. And we thank you in Jesus' name. You know, the first thing that I kind of want to bring to your attention here this morning. And when I read this, you know, I, it had never struck me in the way that I had seen this before. 
But, but the very first thing that we see within this passage is that wise men were following a star. You know, I don't know about you, but I ain't never seen a star move. I mean, now we, we, okay, well, Pastor, you're taking the scripture from context. But the reality is that the scripture said that the star stopped over where the child was. And if we just begin to imagine in our mind that this is only something that we can only see on TV. These are the things that we are seeing animated. These are the things that we're seeing CG doing. If you know what CG is, computer graphics. It, it, these are the things that, that are impossible. But my scripture says to me, God's word says to me that the star moved and it guided them. And what did it do? It was it, it took them to the place where baby Jesus was at. But to follow something, to do something that seems to be impossible. You know, and we look at this because all of us has heard of Jesus Christ. But you know, there's a lot of people that have not heard of Jesus Christ. Or there's a lot of people that deny him by his actions. Or by their actions, excuse me. But what God has called us to is impossible for so many people. What God has called us to seems to be a fairy tale for so many people. It's just, it's just words on a page. It's just, it just happens to be the most accurate book that has ever been written. And that can be can be backed up with facts. You, you, you know, when you begin to look at artifacts and and the, the the very thing, the other thing outside of the Bible that has proven records that that proves that it's legit. If you stack an eight by eleven, what what is paper size? Eight by eleven, eight by eleven and a half. Excuse me if I'm not politically or correct on that, but an eight by eleven. So this tall, you know, and that may be what two packs of paper. I don't know how much is in there, but and that's a lot of paper. Don't get me wrong, but you know when you take and you stack up all of the facts that that back up the word of God, all the archaeological stuff, all of the the factual stuff, that stack is about this tall. And so you cannot deny something that's here and then something else is here. So, so, so the question is, is, you know, I had a young man, uh, he reached out to me the other week and he said, Pastor James, he said, he said, how can we deny the very power that's been in operation from the beginning? We're still seeing it taking place. And the same thing that was then is now and it's always going to be. So how can we ever deny that by our actions, by our deeds, by our words? So to go back to, to what is the impossible became possible with God. We preached a sermon on that earlier this year from, from impossible to possible and if you'll stay with us in january we're going to begin to move into a series quote unquote in that reference so 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 the next thing that just really kind of pointed out to me that as we just finished a seven-part series called what does anybody remember building a temple and, and man, there was so much information. There, man, it just opened my eyes to so many things about these facets of how God 
is wanting us to build a temple for him as well. And, and, and we all know that as you came into a temple, you know, and a lot of us do this here. And I really appreciate that y'all did this uh, as we uh, were trying to get some power things worked out. You know, what are, y'all already know y'all were sitting here. Y'all, y'all know the story already. But what did you do? You sat here in reverence. You sat here in reverence and nobody said, had to say, hey, can you lower your tone? Hey, can you watch your language? You see, see, because what really happens is there becomes a reverence because we understand. So, so what, we, what we're going to see here is the very same thing that happened with the wise men. As they entered, let's go to our next verse. Matthew chapter 11, verse 11, uh, chapter 2, verse 11. Watch this. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother. Mary and they bow down and worship him. The very first thing that they did before they began to bring him gifts is they recognized who he was. They honored him. And so, so the first thing that the wise men did was entering into his presence. Now we just talked about that. We just did a seven part series talking about in his presence. I know that this passage sounds so simple that the entering into the house where Mary and the child was, but if you look deeper into God's heart on this matter, you can clearly see that before we can offer these continual gifts now, that we must enter into his presence. Turn with me to Psalms chapter 89, verse 7. Excuse me. God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be held in reverence by all of those around him. You see, when we come into God's presence, when we come into his presence, it doesn't matter if he's sweet little baby Jesus. It doesn't matter if he was the one that was walking with the disciples. It doesn't matter if he was the one uh, that was in the garden of Gethsemane that he was sweating blood. It doesn't matter if it was the Jesus in our mind that was hanging on a cross. It doesn't matter if it was the Jesus that was laid in the tomb and he resurrected on the third day. It's still Jesus. See, because it took all of these things. It was a process for Jesus. But this Jesus that we, that we are desiring to be in the presence of, that, that we are going to bring gifts to. Because, you know, we, we, we make Christmas as symbolic as giving of gifts. And, and, and it, is a, it is giving of gifts. But the greatest gift that can ever be given, the greatest gift that can ever be received is our gifts to Jesus. The gifts that he gives us. He gives us, he gives us life. He gives us life more abundantly. He, he gives us what no man else can give us. So we're having a hard time understanding that at times. Why is that? Because we have the tendency to overlook it. We have the tendency to overlook it. But, you know, but, but God made this declaration that God is greatly to be feared. Well, feared? Then let's, let's change the word and let's tone it to be in awe of God. To, to reverence Him. To esteem Him. To hold Him higher than our ways. To, to hold his thoughts, to hold his wants above ours. How many of us are guilty of not doing that? You don't have to raise your hand, but I'm going to raise my hands for us all. Because there's times in my life where I'm guilty of it. And the Holy Spirit will quickly remind me and say, hey, what are you doing? Why are you doing my job? Why did you not place me first in this situation? So as we enter into his presence... Just as we saw the wise men here, as we enter into his presence, we must humble our hearts and our actions. And we can see this in scripture. 
when this commandment was misconceived. Because we're going to find out here in just a moment what happens when we become irreverent in his presence. Turn with me to the book of Leviticus chapter 9. Verse 24. And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offerings and the fat of the altar. When all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. Uh, are we automatically seeing that what the fire of the Lord, the presence of the Lord, His holiness, well, what it will do? It will consume. You see, because we've made, this, uh, we've made this observation already that these were burnt offerings. These were already burnt. And see, and what happens is, is when we lay ourselves on the altar and we do what we're supposed to do, then God does the rest. God finishes the consuming. He comes and he consumes. So he wants us to place ourselves on the altar before him so he can consume. Let's finish reading this in Leviticus chapter 3. So what I wanted to do was, was to show you what he did before this happened. It said, Then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, who knows who Aaron was? Moses' brother. He, he was all, you know what they also were? There was, there was six people permitted in the presence of God. Moses, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and the other two younger sons. Six people allowed to be in the presence of God. And here we are, here we are right now today, allowed to be in his presence every waking moment. But yet we see this, we're going to see this, what happens is that when they begin to treat God's presence as common, it's just an, oh, it's, a, oh, it's okay. Oh, Lord, please forgive me. Lord, you know my heart. Oh, we've said it, man, we are so guilty of it. But how often have we really meant it? Because the meaning of that means that we change the way that we walk from there for that's what repentance is. Let me continue here. Then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it, put incense on it, and offered, look at this, that word right there, profane. You see that word? You know what this word profane means? Common, normal, the same as everyone else. The same thing that, that everybody calls God to be. Everything that, God, that people say what worship really is. It said, and they offered profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. So they were what? They were disobedient in it. And watch this. And it said, so fire. Now this is the same fire that consumed the offering. This was the same fire that totally obliter obliterated the offering. It says, so fire went out from the Lord and devoured them. Can you imagine in your mind what just happened to them? Instantly. Instantly. Paul bearers dead. They're in a casket. They're dead. They're, they're, they're crisp. They're, they're just like that shrimp that I tried to cook the other night where the grease was too hot. That's okay. You're allowed to laugh at that one. <laughs> but that's exactly what happened here. And it said, and they died before the Lord, verse 3, and it said, And Moses said to Aaron, listen to this. This is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me, I must be what? Regarded as holy. But yet we see what happens when we begin to try to come into his presence 
and we treat him as common. When we come into the house of the Lord and we treat it as common. Oh, I, uh, I'm going to just be real. Unless it's an actual emergency. Oh, I got a phone call. I, I, I got to do this and I got to do that. You know, we, we can sit in a 50-minute class. We can sit at work sometimes all day and we're so busy and we don't have time to go use the restroom. I'm not saying I'm, if you got to use the restroom, go use it. But what I'm saying is what I want to express to you here today is the importance of a reverence for God's presence and importance for reverence of his house. So now let's take this on the flip side. Let's turn this coin over. Do we not host the presence of God? Are we not that temple that he's called for a place for his presence to dwell? But yet we treat our bodies as common. We, 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 we treat the very things that God wants to do in us as common. And, and, and oh, the world is doing it. So, so why can't I? But he said, but to those who come near me, I must. Was that a suggestion? Was it a recommendation? Must. It's just like me telling, well, I can't tell my kids, but it's like me used to telling my kids, you are going to clean your room. Ain't that right, Micah? You, you, you are going to clean. But, but, Mom, I, I know I'm picking on you a little bit, but, but, Mom, but no, you're going to clean your room. And so when Mom and Daddy speaks, it's going to happen or there's consequences that are going to take place. So, so, so just because uh, we may not read God's word, just because uh, we may not be walking in fellowship with God does not change the judgment of this word. It, it, it doesn't change it. Uh, my judgment is the same thing as your judgment. And so, so, so we can never say, hey, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm okay. So the eldest sons of Aaron offered profane also known as strange or irreverent or unholy fire in the presence of God and was dealt with on the spot. You know, so oftentimes we saw that through Scripture, you know, that, that God placed judgment instantly. And now we're sitting in a time where God doesn't seem to be working so instantly. But I want us to understand that judgment delayed Listen to this. The judgment delayed is not judgment denied. It's going to come back to us. And we can never be irreverent to coming into the presence of God. And, and, and so, it, so the Lord uh, placed an importance to me that we must understand this before we are, before we are trying to offer Him gifts. We got to understand that, that we are coming and that we are pursuing a holy God I want to show us another incidence here Acts chapter 5 verses 1 through 11 follow with me here I'm gonna try to speed up but there was a certain man named Ananias who with his wife Sapphira sold some property he brought part of the money to the apostles claiming it was the full amount with his wife's consent he kept the rest then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not to sell as you wish. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give anyway. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but you were lying to God. 
as soon as Ananias heard these words, listen to this. As soon as he heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. Everyone who heard about it was terrified. Story continues on. Watch this. Verse 6. Then some young men pick, uh, got up, wrapped him in a sheet, and took him out and buried him. You know, they buried him and didn't even invite his wife to come to his funeral. After three hours later, his wife came in. Not knowing what had happened, Peter asked, Was this the price you and your husband received for your land? Yes, she replied, that was the price. And Peter said, How could the two of you even think of conspiring a test to test the spirit of the Lord like this? The young men who buried your husband are just outside the door and will carry you out too. Instantly, she fell to the floor and died. Then the young men came in and saw that she was dead. They carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear. Listen to this. Great fear gripped the entire, entire church and everyone else who had heard this and what had happened. You see, we, gave, we, we saw a story in the Old Testament. But now we're talking, about, oh, but God is so merciful. We know we have Jesus. Oh, I'm forgiven of my sins. You see, but you see what still happens when we're irreverent to God? When we try to come into his presence and we are irreverent, the same judgment is there. It doesn't change because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, we can ask to be forgiven as that's what we should do. But the reality is, is that we can not come into his presence and not honor him. At the display of a lack of reverence for God's presence, we can see that God's judgment lines up with his word and not our opinion, nor what others may perceive to be just. How can we accurately judge the judge himself? How, 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 could, how could we say, hey, Lord, this isn't fair? That's like us standing in court and telling the judge, I don't agree with your sentence. The law is still the law. Does that, does that change anything? The law is still the law. It, it, that, that what you plant, you will reap. It, it, that's the, the law of sowing and reaping. So, so, so as we, we get here, I, I want to talk about these gifts. So I want us to understand that the importance of coming into God's presence to be able to give these gifts. You know, say, wouldn't it be nice if our kids woke up in the morning and before they even begin to open gifts or to give gifts, they just come and say, hey, I just I thank you. I thank you. And I just want you to know that I honor you. I'm not saying that for for y'all to do it in the morning. But what I want to do is I want you I want you to understand your mindset, your mindset for gifts are given. So verse 11 here again, Matthew 2, verse 11, it said, And they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Maybe some of us have heard about this. Maybe we've heard about what these things symbolize. But so, so oftentimes people have symbolized these gifts of what Jesus represents. But what I want to do today is I want to show you the other side of the coin, and I want us to show us, me and the Holy Spirit, to show you what these gifts that were given to Jesus are the same gifts that we should be presenting to him today. 
So notice that these gifts were represent, uh, presented to Jesus, and some may say that these gifts are a representation of Jesus, but, the, but they are gifts that are the representation of what we give Jesus. The gift of gold symbolizes royalty. We could, we, could, we could see the actuality of that, right? Jesus being royal. He was a king. He was the king of the Jews. But, but what I want to do here is, but gold in the reference of giving means that it is presented to Jesus as gold. You know, how many of us have ever wore a fake gold necklace? Yeah, we yeah, I have too. It's okay. And after you wash, it does what? You know, it leaves a little green ring around your neck. You know, fake rings or fake earrings. You know, fake gold earrings. You know, so so we we we've seen what goes, but see, it has an appearance of it, right? You see, but 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 if if it was somebody that we really loved and and we knew that we were able to give it to them, would we give them fake gold or would we give them the real deal? So the question here today is, are we going to give Jesus fake gold? Are we going to give him what's fake? It may look real. It may look to be genuine. You see, but you know where the realness is? It's what's on the inside. It's what's on the inside. So, so gold has always been of great value, but the value of gold is based off of what? It's purity, right? 10 carat, 14 carat, 18 carat. Very rare that we'll see 24 karat because 24 karat is what? Is the purest of gold. It is 0.9999999 pure. And you don't see a lot of that. And the reason why you don't see that a lot of it is because it is pure. It's super valuable. But the purer the gold, the more valuable it is. And how does it become more? So, so how can you make gold become more pure? Is anybody... Have an idea. Okay, so I'm glad you asked. So by removing what has caused it to be impure, it's how you make it more valuable. It's how it becomes more valuable. And, and so, so by, um, and the only way to remove these impurities is to change its molecular structure, right? Because it's a, it's a solid, right? So, we, so we're familiar with a gas solid and a liquid. So what happens here is you change its molecular structure and you change it from a solid to a, a liquid. Good, follow me here. Luke chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Watch this. John answered their questions by saying, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. So much greater that I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandals. But uh, he, he, who is he? Jesus Christ. Yeshua Mashiach. He is Emmanuel. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the mighty God. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with what? Fire. So, so, so if we're going to change the molecular structure from a solid to a liquid, then it has to be what? It's got to be placed in a fire. It's got to be placed in a fire. Watch this, verse 17. He is ready to separate the shaft from the wheat with his winnowing fork. Excuse me. Then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into the barns. But watch this. But burning the shaft with never-ending fire. A separating process. So we understand to be able to separate what's pure in the gold and what's impure. 
you've got to change its molecular structure. But to change placed in the fire. And being placed in the fire, how many of us has ever touched fire before? We, okay, let's, how many of us has touched the burner on the stove? Do we turn around and touch it again? Why not? It's hot. Because we learn from that. So we ask ourselves is why are we continuously being burned by the cares of this world? Why are we being burned with the cares of life? Why are we being burned by so many other things? And there's only one thing that even really matters because if we've touched fire and we know that it's hot, we have a tendency to want to stray away from it. But, 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 but John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, spoke and he said that Jesus, that when he comes, he's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and with fire. So, so this is how your molecular structure is going to change. Now, we're talking about presenting a gift before Jesus. But to present this gift to him, we already know that we've got to come in with honor. But also part of this honor is knowing them that we're giving him the best gift. And to give him the best gift means that it's going to cost us something. So uh, as we are all familiar with God being an all-consuming fire because we just read that in the book of Leviticus, right? That, that the, the presence of God, the fire of God consumed. So not only did it consume that, but it, it consumed what was right, but it also consumed what was wrong. And it has a way and a tendency of doing that. So what makes us any different, right? What makes us any different? So, so, so uh, the Greek word for baptism, because he said what? He said that he will come and that he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So baptism means what? It, well, the Greek word for baptism or baptize is baptizo. And to, the word, Greek word for baptizo means to dip, immerse, submerge, to overwhelm, or to saturate. So that means to be placed up under something so, so what he wants to do here is he wants to place you under the fire under the fire you could just imagine just fire coming down from the ceiling right now and me just sticking my hand out there or me just walking under just to be up under so when we place ourselves under the presence of god we can be changed well now watch this let me continue here and it said the gold or fine the refined gold, it must be immersed with fire so that it can be changed from a solid to a liquid. And it is during this stage that what is foreign and the thing that has caused us to be impure can become visible and then be removed. You see, because if it's not visible, how do you know that it, that, that it should be removed? It, so with the impurities show themselves up in our lives, they, they can then be removed by the fire of the Holy Spirit. But if we could imagine, as we've just already talked about, that that's a painful process. Because we wouldn't do what? We wouldn't touch that burner again. If it was really hot, man, we wouldn't do that again. We wouldn't reach down there, right, Brother Richie, when we had a fire the other night. We wouldn't reach down there and grab that log if we already know that it's got coals and that it's burning. We're not going to reach down there and grab it a second time if we got burned. And, 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 and that's the challenge. Is that, that is the hard part. That is the hard part. But it's that what? It's that step of faith. 
knowing that I need to go this direction. It was that step of faith that the Lord said, hey, buy these chairs. Well, my mind, Lord, we don't have the finances for that. You do what I tell you to do, and I'll work out the rest. Your, your job is to be obedient. My job is to fulfill my word. Amen? And that's what we do. But we have the tendency to not see it in that reference because it requires so much more of us. It requires something that oftentimes we don't have. But he said this, he said, if you would have faith as the size of a grain of a mustard seed. The size of a grain of a mustard seed. You know what a mustard seed was? It is not the smallest seed in the world. I don't, I want you to, but I want you to understand this. It is the smallest, it is the smallest seed of a bush that resembles a tree. It's so much bigger than what people realize it to be. And if, and if we here would today, if we would by faith walk as God has called us to walk, the very things that God will turn us into. Uh, you know, I'm not patting myself on the back or anything, but I believe God at His Word and I believe Him for everything that He says. When God said, hey, go find a building, God, our finances don't say that we can afford a building. Do you know what the next thing that he said? I didn't ask you if you could afford it. Your job was to be obedient. So God put us here. And all of a sudden, I don't know where the finances came from. I, I don't know. Do I do the checking account? I absolutely do. Do I get to see it all the time? I absolutely do. I get to see what's coming in and what's going out. You see, but what happens is I always see more coming in than what's going out. And you can't explain that. It's just like you can't explain somebody giving $600 for these chairs. You know, and I, and I shout out, you know, to, to Pastor Bruce down at Salt Life Church down in Myrtle Beach. Because he, he, they tithe and, and they were the ones that gave us the money. But the reality is that it really came from God. It was just their acts of obedience. It was just their acts of obedience. So I want to get back to this. So, so. Becoming changed is the painful part. That, that, that's what hurts. That's what, it's not the removing of that hurts. It's the being changed. It's that being changed into his image and his likeness. So watch this. So being placed in the fire and staying in the fire is the uncomfortable part. But it is necessary to produce the removal of what has decreased our value. It's what must take place so it can change the value of who we are. All of the ugly in our life must be removed by fire. There's no way around it. Because if it was so, then, then John the Baptist would have said, He come to, he come to uh, uh, baptize you in the Holy Spirit and with fire, and, and, <coughs> and he's going to take care of all your needs, but you ain't got to go through the fire. He, he didn't say that. We're going to have to go through the fire. You know, Peter even said in the book, in the letter that he wrote, he said, he said, can't quote it right off the top of my head, but Peter said, for a little while. It's going to happen for a little while. It's a must. And, 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 and it's not our choice if we're going to go through. If we're going to walk with God, we're going to go through the fire. Now, the thing is, is you can choose to step out of the fire. And what happens when you remove something that was becoming a, a liquid and you remove it away from the fire, then what happens again? It hardens back up. And the process then, if you want to then again do it, then what happens? You've got to go back through the process again. So the important part is remaining in the fire. 
remaining in the fire. Five years ago, four and a half, five years ago, I said, Lord, I said, please refine me, Lord, refine me. And God has removed so much ugly out of my life. God has removed so much ugly out of my life. But you know what he's removed? He's removed everything that doesn't reflect him. You see, because when you look into pure gold, it carries a reflection. And the reflection that he's desiring to see is he's desiring to see his face. He's desiring to see his heart. Go with me to Malachi chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Look, I am sending a messenger. This was God speaking. And this was, this was Malachi the prophet speaking God's words to the children of Israel. Look what he said here. If anybody knows anything about the book of Malachi, this was the last book of the Old Testament. So, so you know how many years happened between the book of Malachi and the time that Jesus showed up on the scene? 400 years. 400 years, the voice of God went silent. And people were not hearing of God. And their hearts became so corrupt again. But listen to this. Look, I am sending my messenger, and he will prepare the way before men. Then the Lord you are seeking all of a sudden came to his temple. Where's his temple? Us. He's wanting to come to us. Listen to this. The messenger of the covenant, whom you look so eagerly, is surely coming, says the Lord of heaven's army. But who will be able to endure when he comes? Who will be able to stand and face him when he appears? For he will be like a blazing fire that what that refines metal, or like a strong soap that bleaches clothes. He will sit like a refiner of silver, burning away the dross. You know what the dross was? It was the very thing that cost the silver or the gold to be impure. So, so, so what is that draws for us? Sin. The very thing that's contrary to who he is is the very thing that the fire is going to remove. But we have to be placed. And it didn't say that it was optional here. If it said if it was optional, then that would be the case. But this is not an option. I'm not here to bring you a sad story, but I'm coming to bring you a story to let you know that we can be just like him. We just have to remain with him no matter how hot it gets we live here in southeastern north carolina brother richie was in arizona earlier this year for some training but you know what man it was hot was it not richie man it was hot and here man it's just i'm just dripping sweat you know and i'll go through two or three towels or two or three shirts a day because it's just saturated with sweat but if we continue to endure we we just we have to endure we have to go through we talked about this through the process of construction chaos you've got to endure you've got to go through it because what what does it produce at the end the very thing that god has called us for the very thing that God has called us for. And the Lord's just been speaking and emphasizing so much throughout this year and through these series that if you could just take your mind back and just go through these series and, and hear what the Lord is saying. He will purify the Levites, refining them like gold and silver so that, that they may once again offer, listen to this, Offer an acceptable sacrifice. That tells me to be acceptable before God. We've got to be willing to go through this fire. We've got to be willing 
to go through this. So the next gift that was given. Now we talked about the gold. So important. So important that we are being refined in our life and presenting the purest to God that we can give Him. I don't want to say that we're not going to fall. I'm not going to say that we don't make mistakes. What do you do when you make the mistake? Do you touch the fire again? Hey, this burned me. Am I going to touch it again? Absolutely not. Are you, are you going to run out into 10 lanes of traffic with oncoming traffic nonstop? Why will we not? Because we know what's going to happen, right? We know the probability of being hit is, is about as round as I am. So the next, the next gift that was given was frankincense. An incense that was offered as an aroma during the offering of sacrifice. This is what a frankincense was. They were used as incense. They were burned and they became an aroma. So, so, so you, know what, you, 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 know what, you know what this aroma did? Was it overshadowed the smell of burning sacrifices. That's what its purpose was. So, so what I want us to understand that while we're being consumed, if we offer these, these praises of worship, if we offer these things, if we begin to realize that there's something that can overshadow, there's something that is so much stronger than the situation that I'm going through, that there's something so much stronger than the fire that I'm facing, that the refinement that I'm facing, is that I'm going to praise and that I'm going to worship during this process and see and these are i want us to understand i want us to take our mind these are the gifts we are giving god these weren't gifts that 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 jesus was given to us these were these are gifts that we are giving to him we are the wise men we are seeking him follow along with me here so it symbolizes the smell of obedience paul said to the church of ephesus in ephesians chapter 5 watch this it said imitate god therefore in in what some things everything all things everything you do because you are his dear children live a life filled with love following who the example of christ He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us. A pleasing what? A pleasing aroma to God. A pleasing. It pleases the Lord. It is. It it smells. It fills the, the fragrance fills his nostrils in a life of worship. A life of worship. And yeah, we were talking about Jesus and, and, and it doesn't say in the Bible, hey, well, Jesus stood there and he was just lifting his hands and he was shouting and hollering all over the place, all over the place. But I want us to understand that sometimes a misconception of what worship is. Worship is not a slow song. Yeah, we have slow songs. We have worship before service. But your worship is how you are living all week long follow this for we all know that jesus lived a life of obedience his actions preceded and proceeded every word that he spoke in other words before he spoke him the word was there after he spoke him his man the manifestation that he walked in that that was his life was his life was a sacrifice unto god and he willingly walked in obedience regardless of what the situation was 
in everything he walked in obedience. That's why Jesus, that's why it said that Jesus was the perfect lamb that take away the sins of the world. He was without spot. He was without blemish. He lived a life free of sin. And this was pleasing unto the Lord. And this is what we can clearly see in the life of Abraham also. This type of living was the most perfect display of worship. The frankincense. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 22. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Did you see that? He tested him. He placed him in the fire. He placed him in the fire. Watch this. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son. Yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. The, watch this. The what? The next morning? The, the next morning? Did he, he instantly? He instantly. I, I, I want you to follow this. The next morning, Abraham got up early. Not only, not only the next morning, but he got up early the next morning. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of this journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther and we will what? We will worship there. And then, watch this. And then we will come back. Did God not tell him to take his son to sacrifice him? Do we not know that Isaac was the promise? Do we not know that Isaac was a promise? So sometimes God's going to ask us to place what he's given us on the altar. And see, and the question is, is do you prefer the promise or do you prefer my presence? We talked about this last week, I believe it was, with the children of Israel. And how Moses had chose the presence of God over the promises of God. But there's going to be times that God's going to ask us to place what he's given us on the altar. Are you willing to do this as a sacrifice? You see, but you know where Abraham's faith was? God, that if, that if you are telling me to do this, then, you're, then you're gonna, your word is, is everything. So if you're going to take my son's life, then that means you're going to resurrect him. You're going to bring him back. You're going to restore because your word cannot pass away. Heaven and earth shall pass away before his word does. You see, and Abraham realized that. But you know what Abraham didn't have to read? Abraham didn't have no Bible to read. He believed God when God spoke. And God has spent so much time speaking to us, and yet we're still sitting here, and, and, and we're not even listening to Him. We're just going to be honest with ourselves. There ain't, I don't have no sugar up here. And the only salt that I'm casting is the very thing that's going to preserve us all, including myself. Watch this. Verse number 7. Verse number 6. So Abraham placed the wood on the burnt offering as on Isaac's shoulder while he, he himself carried the fire and the knife as the two of them walked on together. Verse 7, next slide. Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, 
Yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and we have the wood, the boy said. But where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered. And they both continue to walk together. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. Watch this. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven. He said, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied. Here I am. Don't lay your hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way for now. Listen to this. For now I know that you truly fear God. And you have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Let's be real. Let's just be real. How many of us would be willing to do what Abraham just did? I'm not going to lie to you. But you know what the metaphor of this is? This is what are we willing to place on the altar to please God? What are we willing to place on the altar to please God? So it's right here before our very eyes, ladies and gentlemen. Worship is not, listen to this. I, want, I, I didn't make a slide for this, but I want you to hear this. Worship is non-compromised obedience. This is what worship is. And because Abraham did what God required of him, the angel said, for now I know that you truly fear God. And what was the manifestation of his fear in the Lord? Watch this. The evidence of Abraham's fear of God is, is, is as followed. He obeyed instantly because he did what? It said he got up early the next morning. He instantly obeyed. It, again, these are the gifts that we are bringing to God. I want us to understand this here today. This may not be your typical Christmas message, but, but, but it's deeper than a tree. It's, it's deeper than gifts under a tree. It's different. It, it's, it's, this is the only thing that matters. Watch this. The second thing. He obeyed even when it didn't make sense. When God tells you to do something. I, I'm just, man, I'm sitting here as a witness before you. Lord, it don't make no sense to go find a building. It, it, just, it don't make no sense to do that when the finances ain't there. Son, quit doing my job. Do what I've called you to do. Continue here. Watch this, number three. He obeyed even though it would hurt him. He obeyed, he obeyed even though it would hurt him to lose his son, to lose the promise of God. He obeyed even though it would not Benefit him. Let's just be real with ourselves. How often do we do something that doesn't benefit us? It is our heart to be a servant. I, 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 we're, just, we're, we're, we're just all over the place in this reference today. Watch this. He obeyed to completion. All the way through. All the way through. You know, I think, I think back to King Saul. You know, King Saul went and destroyed and did 99% of what God told him to do. He destroyed the Amalekites. He destroyed the women and the children. Uh, but you know what he was commanded to do? To do all those things. 
But he was also told, he said, and kill all of the livestock and kill the king. And you know what happened after war? You know what Saul did? He came back with the king and he came back with livestock. You know what his excuse was? Oh, the livestock is so we can make sacrifices unto the Lord. Oh, that sounds really good, right? That sounds, that sounds like a great thing to do. You know, you know what the king is? King's my trophy. I conquered him. I conquered him. But did God not fight your battles for you? And you know what the very thing that the prophet, you know what the prophet Samuel said to him? He said, on this day, God has rejected you. You know why? Because he was not fully obedient to what God called him to do. He was partially obedient. So I want, I want to tell you something today that 99% obedience is still what? Disobedience. How can you say that, Pastor? Because the very thing that God anointed, he rejected. God has placed his anointing on each one of us. But if we walk in disobedience, we become disqualified. This is what the Bible says. So his obedience was uncompromised. Has our frankincense been continual to God? The very thing that we are offering God, has that been continual in our life? The third gift that was given was myrrh. Myrrh represents the aroma of our death. Myrrh was used in burial, just as we can see in John chapter 19, verse 39. Watch this. It said, with him came Nicodemus, the man who came to see Jesus at night. He brought about 75 pounds of perfume or uh, ointment made from myrrh and aloes. As we have spoken about in, in, in the, the, uh, the cost, in part three of building the temple, we touched in depth of the revelation of, of Luke chapter 9. Watch this. At, at this time, I'm going to read it in the TPT version. Man, just so powerful here in what this, what this says, this translation. Watch this. Jesus said to all of his followers, If you truly, so to every truth, there's a what? There's a false. But if, so if you truly if you truly desire to be, not, be my disciple, you might have to. I'm going I'm to suggest that, that you do this. Again, I want, I want us to see this. You must disown your life completely. Completely. Anything other is a disqualification. Pastor, that's so hard. But man, but you know what? The next thing that we talked about, if you had been here, you would have seen. We talked about the grace of God and how beautiful that that becomes. But let's continue to watch this. He said, you must disown your life completely, embracing my cross as your own and suffering to my ways. For if you choose self-sacrifice, giving up your life for my glory, you will embark on a discovery of more and more of true life. But if you choose to keep your lives for yourself, you will lose what you try to keep. Verse 25, if you gain all the wealth and the power of this world, if you become Elon Musk, if, if you become uh, the richest person, if you become the most powerful person, but you don't have Jesus, then what do you have? You have nothing. You have absolutely nothing. Continue here. 
if you gain the wealth and the power of this world, everything could be offered to you and, and everything it could offer to you, yet lose your life in the process. You notice he said it was a process? In the process, what good is that? So why then are you ashamed of being my disciple? Well, watch this. Are you ashamed of the revelation truth I give to you? There's a revelation truth that's being brought here today. Not because thus says Pastor James, but because thus says the word of God. And, 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 and if we begin, to, if we begin to, to just grab a hold of this, of how much of a change that it can make in your life. You know, I look where I was five years ago, and now I look where God has me. It ain't because of anything good that I've done, but it's because of his goodness. It's because he's called me to... Man, stand under this fire here for a little bit, James. <laughs> Get a little bit closer. <clears throat> the change, the change becomes manifested from the inside out. So death is a certainty and must, play ta must take place to be consistent. So that we are continuing to resurrect to new life in Christ. Without death, there is no new life. This metaphor is spoken of so much throughout Scripture. Follow me one more time. That's my first closing. We're getting there. Don't be mad at me if I'm preaching long today. Be mad at the devil because he messed us up for 30 minutes. <laughs> Romans chapter 6 verse 7. Obviously... Obvious, right? The obvious is this duh. That's that duh moment. Obviously, a dead person is incapable of what? Y'all reading the same thing I'm reading, right? It's impossible for a dead person to sin. So when we are dead to self, then it's impossible for us to do what? You got it. Man, you got it. And if we are co-crucified with the anointed one, we know that we will, sh will also share in the fullness of his life. And we know that since the anointed one has raised from the dead to die no more, his resurrection life has vanquished death and its power over him is finished. So that means death no longer has a dominion over him, right? So when we're dead to self, we no longer sin. So that also means what? It no longer has dominion over us. It's a choice from there. Because when, when, when we were a slave to sin, then that's the difference between being a slave and being a servant. Is a slave has to, but a servant chooses to. For by his sacrifice, his, his, he died to sin's power once and for all. He, and, but he now lives continuously. You, you notice in this word, continuously, we're talking about the gifts that keep giving. And so, so uh, he now lives continually for the Father's pleasure. So let it be the same way with you, exclamation point. Since you are now joined with him, you must what? Continually viewing yourself as dead and unresponsive to sin's appeal while living daily for God's pleasure in union with Jesus, the anointed one. I mean, it's like we could say amen and close the books from right there and just say, hey, this is what it is. 
If we don't like it, then you take it up with God. But God is not going to do what? If he has to change the judgment for us, well, then guess who else he's going to change the judgment for? Satan himself. But Satan has already been sentenced. So if he cannot reverse that, he is not going to reverse it for us. It becomes a choice for us. Watch this, verse 12. We're getting closer. Sin is, a, is a dethroned monarch. So you must no longer give it an opportunity to rule over your life. That, that means we have a choice here if it, if it is going to. It's going to present itself. Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days and the Satan presented himself to him to tempt him to go contrary to God's word. But it becomes a what? A conscious decision to continue in. These are continual gifts that we are giving the Lord here. Verse 13, so then refuse to answer its call to surrender your body as a tool for wickedness. Instead, passionately answer God's call to keep yielding your body to him as one who has now experienced resurrected life. You live now for his pleasure, ready to be used for his noble purpose. How beautiful is that? That, that just to know that, that in our death we can be resurrected to new life. But the only way to remain dead is to keep the old person dead. So in closing, second closing, final closing. In closing, I want to expound that these gifts that we are given to Jesus on a daily. And these gifts are given by wise people who have received wise counsel. And here we are today, no different than anybody else, because we've had the opportunity to sit under God's word, to hear God speak to our heart, to hear the Holy Spirit draw on us. This is the wise counsel that we are continuously getting. Last set of scripture, Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1 through 8. My children, will you treasure my wisdom? Then and only then will you acquire it. And only if you accept my advice and hide it within, uh, within you will you succeed. So train your heart to listen when I speak and open your spirit wide to expand your discernment. Then pass it on to your sons and your daughters. Hey parents, it's, it's our job to do this. And if we're not, then guess what? We might raise some stupid kids. And I'm just talking about that they may do foolish things, that they may get tied up in the things that they shouldn't be tied into. And so it's our jobs as parents to keep them there. I failed at a lot of that when I was younger. I failed at it. And I boldly admit it. But you know what, you know what my kids see right now? They see a devoted heart. To the call of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter who's there. It doesn't matter the time of the day. They see me walking in obedience. Verse 3. Yes, cry out for comprehension and intercede for insight. For if you keep uh, seeking it like a man would seek for sterling silver. Searching in hidden places for, tre for cherished treasures. Then you will discover what the fear of the Lord and find true knowledge of God. 
Wisdom is a gift from a generous God. And every word he speaks is full of revelation and becomes a foundation for understanding within you. For the Lord has hidden, has a hidden storehouse of wisdom made accessible for his godly lovers. He becomes your personal bodyguard as you follow his ways, protecting and guarding you as you choose what is right. Yeah, I don't know if we have any music yet, but if not, that's fine. Uh, As we we are wrapping up here, I want us to I want us to recall what verse five had said here. I believe it was. He said that if you would search for me like a hidden treasure, views the example before, but go along with me for, for the purpose of illustration. If you knew inside of the walls right here where we are, if you knew that there was a hundred trillion dollars inside of these walls, I bet you would be peeling the sheetrock off the wall. If there was if there was a hundred million dollars inside your home, the sheetrock would be coming off the walls at your house and you would be relentless about it. And because of the value of that, and we begin to think that, that the writer of Proverbs, that Solomon said this, that if we would search for that wisdom of God, that understanding heart, that hearing heart, that we would find it. But we have to search for it like it's hidden. That means you've got to put the effort in there. You've got to go and you've got to find Him. But you know what helps to make it a little easier? Is when you got somebody with you to help you find Him. You know, so we sit here today and we ponder and we think about these, these gifts. These gifts that we are supposed to be presenting before God. Or they continue in your life. If you just bow your head in prayers for just a few moments. I know there's been a lot said here today. But the real question is this. Is have you heard the Holy Spirit's voice? Have you heard what He's been speaking? Have you heard the wisdom that He's desired to give you? Have you heard His heart? You see, there's a lot of things that we can outrun. There's a lot of things that we can avoid. We can avoid a phone call from people. We, we can avoid a text message from people. There's people that we can leave on read. But God knows that you saw what He was speaking to you. And you can't hide that. And it's only a decision that you can make for yourself. See, tomorrow's not promised. You know, see, you see, there, there's so many people. There's 150,000 people that will die today that will never get to see tomorrow. You know, and this being that time of the year for me, you know, in four more days, it'll be six years that my daughter passed. And there was no tomorrow for her. And I can't tell you where she is. I don't know. That's not for me to say. 
But the Bible says that it's once appointed for man to die and then face judgment. Only those that are in Christ Jesus will receive rest. The question to you is, are you going to begin to present these gifts to God to to truly show that you are a wise person? Dear Lord, today, Lord, we thank you. We praise you, we glorify you, and we honor you. Lord, we know that every word that you spoke here today, Lord, was for James to hear. Lord, and for each person here, Lord, for them to hear as well. Each person that will view this online, each person that will listen to the podcast, Lord, it was for them to hear. Lord, and it's for such a time as this, Lord, that you've brought us here. It's not by coincidence. It's not, it's not just a because. Lord, you orchestrated this. You ordained this. Lord, and nothing caught you by surprise. So, Lord, as we stand before you today, Lord, we desire to bring you a gift that is pleasing to you, to bring you the best gold, Lord, to come before you and to be refined, Lord, to come and to live a life of obedience, to offer this frankincense. Lord, in this myrrh, Lord, that represents, Lord, us as walking dead people. Lord, that we have placed ourselves on the cross, that we have become crucified with you, Lord, so that we may walk in newness of life. So I pray today that if you don't know Jesus, there's no magic formula. It's just as simple. Romans chapter 10, I believe it is, says this, that if you would, that if you would believe in your heart and that you would confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, And then we follow suit with what we read in Luke chapter 9. That if you would take up your cross and follow him. He said that not only could you be saved. But you can be my disciple. The qualification of being his follower. Is taking up and walking in the same manner that Jesus walked. It's just that simple. Lord please forgive me. I've sinned against you. Lord and 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 Holy Spirit I feel you calling me. And I want to make my peace with you. I want to be in right standings with you. If you make that decision today, let someone know. Let them know so so that we can reach out to you, so we can help you with material, that you can be led, that you can be guided to walk in fellowship with the King. But Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would continue to bring us back, Lord, safely as you desire. Lord, that you would continue to orchestrate, Lord, all of these these wonderful things in our life. Lord, that as we will spend time with family, friends, and loved ones, Lord, that we would just be in a continuance of knowing, Lord, that you are the reason of why we celebrate what we are celebrating. We are celebrating the Christ, the Savior, the Lord, the one, Emmanuel, the one that came to take away the sins of the world. So, Lord, we thank you, we praise you, we glorify you, and we honor you, Lord, because we ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord. Amen and amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah.